to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You know, we were talking the other day, uh, Larissa and some of the music team members, how incredible it is that how Larissa and the music team can plan out two months ahead the music. And without me even looking at it, it all comes together. It always does. And I think there's some magic in that. And as you know, there is no magic as long as we know that we are aligned with God, right? With that potential that's within all of us. So another magical thing that we're going to talk about today is money, right? So uh, the soul of money, <clears throat> which we talked a couple of weeks ago, and today I want to just pick up where we left it off by using this beautiful quote uh, by Myrtle Fillmore, who really expresses a lot about how we are supposed to have our relationship be with money. You're not to take your prosperity as a matter of fact. You're to be as deeply grateful for every demonstration as you will be for some unexpected treasure poured into your lap. You're not to expect prosperity because you are keeping the law and you are to give thanks for every blessing that you gain. This will keep your heart fresh. Let this sink in for a moment, because if there is one thing that most people get scared about, it is about money. Wouldn't you agree? Right? So some of you probably already are clinching their wallets, and holding a little bit tighter on their purse, right? because we're going to address a difficult topic to address. So what is the soul of money? So we're using this book by Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money, and Lynn defines the soul differently than we would in spirituality or in unity. She, uses, she defines soul not as a, in, a, in terms of religious definition or a spiritual definition, but she defines the soul as what matters to all of us underneath it all. Our most universal soul commitments and values. Underneath it all. Underneath our political views. Underneath our stands, our heritages, our upbringing, our race, our ethnicity. Underneath it all. The well-being of the people we love, ourselves, and the world we live in. That is the soul. The soul where we all agree, where there's no disagreement, because there's nothing to be disagreed to disagree about. And so we also looked at this slide last week because, you know, how do we define the well-being of the people we love, ourselves, and the world we live in, and how do we make a connection to Scripture? And if we use the Christian Scriptures, Jesus' teachings, 
but also the Hebrew scriptures, then we have these terms, kingdom of heaven, garden of Eden, paradise, kingdom of God, heaven on earth. And that all, in a sense, means the well-being of the people we love, ourselves, and the world we live in. Whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, it's underneath everything. He didn't care about the politics. He didn't care about whether someone was a tax collector or a prostitute. He focused on what it was underneath it all. Paradise, the Garden of Eden. If you go back into Genesis chapter 2 and you look at the story of the Garden of Eden, you know that this is the place where we all want to go back to. But not at some point after we die, not at some point when a second coming comes. It's actually something we want to get back to in every moment of our lives because if we drop everything, all our worries, all our disagreements, and we really become real and truthful with us, all we want is to be back in the Garden of Eden, to have heaven realized on earth. And we can do this together even though we may express it differently. That is the funny thing. You know, we get so caught up in our differences and stand in our own way, whether we, although even though we have the power to realize heaven on earth right here and right now all together, even though we may think differently politically or, or otherwise. That is just on the surface. It's a little bit of noise, right? Because the core is what connects us. The child of God likeness connects us. The core of our very being connects us. So again, when we connect what Lynn Twist is saying to what the soul is really about and then take scripture again as our guidance, then we cannot miss Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a verse about prosperity. It's a verse about being not only wealthy, but being completely abundant and independent from any limitation. It's a quote that tells us that we always, always, always must God put God first and foremost. However we perceive God to be, however our theology is around it or our belief system about it, whether we see God outside of ourselves or look at God as principle, as unity does, or it doesn't matter actually what the idea of God is for us in this particular instant because the command is to put God first, period. And not get distracted by, oh, your God is this way and I disagree with your God and my God is this way. That's all the chatter that doesn't matter. Oh, I like that, the chatter that doesn't matter. Brilliant. Can someone write this down for me for later? <laughs> the chatter that doesn't matter, right? 
So we talked about the toxic myths of scarcity, which is in the book. There's not enough toxic myth. More is better. I know that's hard for any Texans to take on. I, I do live, love the Texas toast. They are just better, you know. But let's just work with this. More is better. Not very useful. And then probably one of the worst, complacency. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is, right? Why should we change? It doesn't matter anyway. Not very useful. Not when you're committed to a spiritual path. Then that's certainly not very useful. And then when we talk about sufficiency, then we know that money, according to Lynn, is like water. Eric Butterworth agrees with her. He uses that same analogy, that we are at the source of a spring, of a well, that continues to deliver water and give us water in complete abundance. And even at home, we just turn on the faucet and the water is flowing. We are the ones in charge to turn on the faucet and turn it off. No one else is. We can't blame it to some god or someone else. We can't call, you know, I can't call my mom in Switzerland and say, hey, my faucet doesn't work. It's your fault. I can't, though. Can you come over and open my faucet? She said, do you want me to put, you know, go in a plane and travel for 15 hours to do what you can do easily? Right? That's how we need to see abundance. That what we do sometimes is we expect others to do the work for us Instead, for us to do this one little thing, to give it a little twist, to let it at least trinkle a little bit. What you appreciate, appreciates gratitude. We talk about gratitude all the time. As long as we find appreciation, we start to see how so much in our world is already aligned with what we truly want. We just need to open up our eyes and see it. So, money is like water. Lynn Twist says, when it is flowing, it can purify, cleanse, create growth and nourish. But when it is blocked or held too long, it can grow stagnant and toxic to those withholding or hoarding it. I think I used the example, didn't I, last time when... <laughs> I happen sometimes, you know, I use, use a dish, a little bowl, and then I put some water in it so it's easier to kind of like clean and then I forget about the bowl, okay? And then uh, too long later, I get a little sniff of that water. Have you ever done that, stale water? It's horrible. That's what happens to our money. If it becomes stale, it is toxic. It actually influences us with its toxicity. And then the scriptural reference here is again from Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and when, where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal, which is aligned again with Lynn Twist's idea of a soul, 
that any money that we spend, regardless of how much it is, that we have a clarity on why we spend, why we give, and are aligned with that desire, not out of duty, not out of any negative feelings or limitations, but from a place of pure heart. And then Charles Fillmore talks about prosperity in this way. Giving in the right mental attitude creates prosperity. Giving with the fear of lack leads to poverty. It's the right mental attitude, the right way of understanding. So what you appreciate appreciates. Appreciation is the beating heart of sufficiency. And then, of course, Paul, this famous verse, rejoice always, praise without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, not just when we want, but in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we have these scriptural links, scripture that was written 2,000 years ago that really reflect what Lynn Twist shares from a very secular perspective. It's a wisdom that has been around for thousands of years, and no matter how we're looking at it, the wisdom is always true. You cannot outdo that. And the final part for collaboration, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered, here I am among them, and of no, I know most of you know that's Jesus speaking, but in unity we like to see this, for where two or three are gathered, here we are among we each other, because we are the expression of Christ. We are the expression of soul. We are the expression of perfect divinity. So how do we foster sufficiency and adequately deal with scarcity? I have a little quiz for you. Five-letter word. So glad it's five letters, not a four-letter word. So it's five-letter word. That's the answer. <coughs> okay, give you one more. Ends with an E. Any ideas? See? As an I, as an H. Oh, I heard it once. All together? Tithe, okay, please lock all doors right now, Ben. Lock all doors. All good. They're leaving. They're leaving. Oh my God, lock all doors. No one leaves the sanctuary right now. Tithe, oh my God, I said it. I said it. Oh, you're still alive. No one has struck you down. I've said the word. Okay, we can open the doors again. <laughs> I love talking about tithe because it's the trigger, right? It triggers us. As soon as we hear the word tithe, especially when the minister is talking about tithe, you know what's coming, right? And I know that some of you have a death grip on your wallet right now. <laughs> And some of you don't, and that's awesome, but that's natural. It's not something to judge. It's not something to be too scared about 
it's something to understand that when it gets to money, we all get triggered very quickly, all of us. Well, let's say most of us. Here's another reason why a lot of people leave <laughs> when you bring it up. It's Malachi chapter 3.10, which is the basis from the Hebrew scripture about tithing. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, God speaking here, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. That's the number one evidence that we have in ministry to tell you you must tithe. And it's probably one of the most misunderstood verses and probably one of the most powerful verses we can actually memorize if we are willing to do that because he tells us one thing, that if we are willing to give, and to tap into a generous heart, we will never be able to outgive God. It's absolutely impossible. And those of you who are here in the home who are tithers, tithers in the most traditional sense, you probably know this because you keep doing it because you learned something very, very important that you never will be able to outgive God. But Tithing is not just taking 10% of every dollar that you have and just give it away. It's more than that, isn't it? It's not just about the monetary value, but about the soul of that money that is given. The freely giving, the generous giving, that giving without attachment, the giving with joy. That's why I know you know, as we move into this new era of technology where we ask you to sign up for recurrent giving, sometimes it's hard for people to do that because their, their practice of joy is to actually write the check right in church and then write it out and put it in the basket, and that is the joy that comes with it. So it's a little bit hard sometimes to let go of that and then transition into a more modern world and still be able to find that joy. Another reason why a lot of people storm out the church <laughs> is actually to show you um, a chart. And I love this chart because we are using this chart. This is not from Unity. This is from Unitarian Universalists. It's called the Fair Share Giving Guide. And I love it because you can actually easily go and say, you know, right now I'm giving $20 or $100 a month or so, and you can kind of compare what your income level is and, you know, at what percentage you are. And as you can see, it's actually, this is why I like it so much, it has different columns, supporter, sustain, visionary, transformer. There's no judgment around that. It. It's not like that you're a little tither and then you're a bigger tither or something. It doesn't really matter. And it really gives you a way of working toward that more traditional way of tithing. But in the end, what's more important is that you find the soul of your money, 
that you understand why you're even giving in the first place. And if you're not giving, you should ask yourself why you're not giving. Now granted, talking about tithing and bringing up Malachi is self-serving, isn't it? For any church. If I convince you to tithe, that creates income from the church. There's always that self-serving aspect. But those of you who have practiced tithing over the years especially and have gained some experience know that there is much more to it. Because, first of all, the 10% or whatever percentage it is, wherever you start out, 1%, 2%, or the 10%, it just hurts a little bit, right? It hurts just a little bit so that you actually get clarity on why you're giving. Because if it wouldn't hurt just a little bit, then you wouldn't have clarity on why you're giving. And if you don't have clarity on why you're giving, you never get to know that you're actually giving because you understand that wherever you give, the soul behind it is the kingdom of heaven, that in the end, you're giving to a community and an institution and an organization that is helping others to find the kingdom of heaven for that. And isn't that one of the most beautiful things you can contribute to? I love technology, as you know. And not just because I'm a geek, but because we are reaching out right now across the world without limitation. This message today is heard by people in Australia, in Africa, in Europe, all over the place, in Asia. We have statistics who show that we have people showing up more and more listening to what we have to say here in the United States, around the world. It's not much. It's not hundreds of thousands of people, but it's people that may have never heard that we are a perfect expression of God, that we are here to uplift the world, that we can walk the way that Jesus walked exactly the same way and do the same works and even better so. Imagine for a moment someone in Australia or someone in Asia, or maybe even someone in Ukraine right now, turning on Facebook and hearing that for the first time, that they're not lost, that they're not limited. That is worth something, worth to be part of. There's a lot of myth about tithing, I sometimes, when I give tithing talk, I just go through some of those myths. Like, it has to be absolutely 10%. Yeah, true, that's actually what tithe means. But it really defeats the purpose to be so strict on that. Or because you're, you're, you need to be at the level where someone is at. Because someone who has never done this, 10%, especially if they're not wealthy or well off, can be quite a chunk of money. And so easing it in is just a, a very natural and very useful thing to do. Another myth is, oh, I can split up my tithe and give it here and give it there and you know, give it to charity in here. And you know, again, from a traditional perspective, that's also not it, right? The, the storehouse, the storehouse of God is only one place. Actually, Rabbi Seiger, whom you, which most of you know from, uh, from uh, uh, guest speaking, Rabbi Seiger explained it in this way. 
in the Jewish tradition, the way they, they share this is to tithe is like after you have gotten your harvest from the fields, you take exactly 10%. And that's actually how it used to be done. It's not just fake. It's, it's what literally was done. They would take 10% of their harvest, and then they would bring it to the church or to the temple, and that's how they were fed back then, the priests, the Levites, and so on. But then there was always something left over in the field where the poor, those in need, will come and do the pickings. And rather than chase them off, which what we would do nowadays, the farmers would just leave them. That is charity. 10% goes to the storehouse to feed the spirit of the priest so they can feed the spirit of the community. And then the rest is left for charity. Now, whether you or not believe that or whether you struggle with that, I'm not here to argue. I'm here to share. And you take it in or you don't. And you accept it or you don't, and that's okay. But it's something about being clear that what certain spiritual principles are and what they actually mean. And then we, of course, can argue about it, about the nuances. What I find when I first started tithing, that my mind likes to go into justification, right? to justify why I'm not giving 10% or why I'm not giving 2% or why I'm not giving this someday. Or, you know, I, I, believe me, I had all these justifications. Okay? Justifications are just a way for us to learn, to process, and to grow spiritually and learn to have trust in this way of being and in the way of giving. And here is the kicker. If you believe that tithing is just about money, that prosperity is just about money, that when we talk about abundance, it's just about money, you're missing the point. We're using money because money is such a good vehicle because it triggers us, okay? Those of you who still have the death grip on the wallet, you can relax a little bit more. I'm not coming down and taking it away from you. But money has such a great way for us to teach something very important that we can learn to let go a little bit more freely, bit by bit, a little bit more generously. But as we do this with money, we learn something much more important. We learn something that we can be free and generous with anything in our lives, with our love, with our kindness, our patience, peace, the way we welcome people, the way we are kind with people. That's actually the lesson we learn. We use money because it triggers us, but we learn a much bigger lesson in the end. <clears throat> I have another five-letter word. Let's see if we get that one. Faith. Faith. Uh, come on, guys. All right, it's probably time to go. That's why you're still... All right, so let's get through this. So faith, obviously, and I love that we have this... Uh, this, this um, 
uh, today's affirmation. Don, what's, the, what's today's affirmation again in, in, uh, in the absolute word? No, no, the affirmation. Who remembers? The truth of my divinity is my rock. Let's say this together. The truth of my divinity is my rock. See, thank you, tech team. Wonderful. Love technology. So the truth of my divinity is my rock. Rock. Remember, upon your rock I built my church. Jesus talking to Peter. Peter, the, the Greek word, the Greek translation of the name Peter means rock. Peter is the apostle, the first apostle to be called into discipleship of Jesus Christ. And Peter is also representing the power of faith. Faith is important. We must have faith, of course, that these principles work for us. If we don't have faith that if we can give away, we're learning so much more about the abundance in the world, they will never do it. So we must work on that faith first and foremost. And so we go back to Charles Fillmore again. Prosperity, another way of looking at it, the consciousness of God as the abundant everywhere presence resource, unfailing, ready for all who open themselves to it through faith. It's unfailing if we have faith. It never fails. And if it does fail, and it has failed for me too before, it's not because it doesn't work, because the law is wrong, it's because I'm yet to build upon, build upon my rock. And here we have the scriptural references. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, you know all this. And if you do, no doubt in your heart, but believe that what you have said or what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. That's what faith is. Faith is not hope. Faith is conviction. When you have faith, you are convicted. There's no one that can ever tell you otherwise. And I know this. You know, you can almost immediately detect those who are tithers and have built upon their faith. No one will ever take that away from you. Once you get, get it, again, it's not about the details. It's about the practice. Once you get that by giving away with a generous heart, the doors and the windows will be open and everything will be given upon you. Once you get it, once you've seen it, it takes maybe a little while, a few weeks, a few months to get it, but after a few years, you are so convinced that that will never be taken away from you. So I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, faith, that you have received that it will be yours. The foundation of affirmative prayer that we do in unity. That's why we don't beg. We don't ask. We don't address God outside of ourselves. We have faith in our power, in our, per our way of expressing God in every moment and be the divine self and be the perfect expression that we always wanted to be right here and right now. And we have faith in that. We are convinced that we are that and that's how we walk this earth. which leads us back to Myrtle. And before we move into meditation today, I just want to share with you that 
The town hall meeting after church at 12.30 is an important meeting. And whether you're a member or a congregant or a guest, feel free to attend. I encourage you to attend. If you're a member, I ask you to attend. If you're a congregant, I hope you will attend. We need you to be part of the direction we will take. You know, I haven't planned this, so I actually knew I'm going to talk about money today, and then the town hall came along later on, and it makes perfect sense again. Because we need to have the basis of how tithing works and how your contributions matter to us as a community and what we can do with what you give over to us with your trust in our stewardship. And I want you to spend the time, it's not going to be a long town hall, to come and listen and to reflect and to contribute and give us your feedback. Because the words of Myrtle Fillmore ring very true and I'm bringing it up again and I want to read this together or just silently together I'll just read it for you but read, read along with me and maybe it makes even a little bit more sense than it even has a few minutes ago you are not to take your prosperity as a matter of fact you are to be as deeply grateful for every demonstration as it will be for some unexpected treasure poured into your lap. You are to expect prosperity because you are keeping the law. And you are to give thanks for every blessing that you gain. This will keep your heart fresh. Beautiful. So let's keep our hearts fresh as we move into today's meditation. Take a moment and allow whatever has been said, whatever you have heard and felt and resonated with. Take that into a moment of silence with you. A silence that goes beyond the absence of sound, but the silence that's present, present at all times. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We meditate as we pray. 
We pray in meditation without ceasing, affirming the truth of who and what we are. Together, let us relax into this moment and find the truth that is available to us. We forgive everything that no longer serves us to realize this truth. We let go of any angst, any limitation and judgments and we open our hearts and minds freely to the generosity that we already are. In God, it's said, we find comfort. And since we are a perfect expression of God, we find comfort in each other right here and right now. To be in spirit is really not that hard. It's not complicated. To be in spirit is to have the willingness to take a step back and be. Let us take a breath together, allowing the breath of light and perfection to move through our bodies, and exhale our willingness to be generous and compassionate with each other, not just generous in monetary ways, but generous with everything, generous with our love, generous with our understanding, generous with the kindness that is dwelling within us. So let us give thanks for what we have. Whether it's peace of mind, a house in which we live, food on the table. Let us give thanks for each other, for having this beautiful sanctuary to sit in, and to have a community connect with, to come together and be present with each other.
And let us give thanks for those teachings that we draw inspiration from. Let us give thanks for Jesus Christ, our way shore. Let us give thanks for the many other great teachers that have come before and after. Let us give thanks for each other as we are teaching each other what we still need to learn and grow and come home. But most of all, let us give thanks for ourselves and the courage it takes sometimes to get up and be real. For that, we are grateful, and so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.